Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. I'm your host, Michelle Barard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor. And I'm really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. I hope you guys are having a great holiday season. Even though this has been a very, very challenging year, we have much to be grateful and happy about as we move toward the end of this year. I pray you all are experiencing the blessings of the season. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. And though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I wanna say thank you to my guests on the December 4th show, prison reform advocate, Diane Sears. You can connect with Diane on social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the December 4th show at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the genius is common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message and I hope you guys will share it with the young people, but it's not just for the youth. We all need to be reminded sometimes that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. I'm really pleased to introduce this week's guest. Sharon May King is the founder and CEO of SharonKingWorldwide.com and the author of This Is My Introduction From Me To You. Remember me? She was a professional actress in New York City before moving into public relations with Sane City Magazine. King is involved in civic and professional organizations such as the African American Art Museum and was recognized by the Cambridge Who's Who Registry of Executives, Professionals, and Entrepreneurs as a VIP in the 2011-2012 edition. A lifetime member of the International Women's Leadership Association, King was named Top Female Executive by Successful Women Making a Difference. She also has been featured in several magazines, including Elements, Diversity New Magazine, and Sane City. King majored in legal studies at Western International University. One of her dreams was to become a criminal prosecuting attorney. She has kept her dream alive by working in a law firm in the greater Los Angeles area. She currently works for the state of California as the judge secretary. Although King is a successful author, actress, producer, director, entrepreneur, and speaker, her primary joy comes from being a mother. As King has often said, there is a vision for my life greater than my imagination could hold. All right, so I'd like to welcome Sharon May King to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barrard. Sharon, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? I am good. I am good. It's, um, I think it's shaping up to be a gorgeous day out there. So I know in LA, the weather has been, I don't want to say the weather, but the sky had been tricky for a while there with those fires all over California. How are you guys doing with that? You know what? It had cleared up a little bit, but when the fire was so bad, mm -hmm. it was, the, the moon was red at night. The air pollution from Breeden is not the greatest. But today's a beautiful day. It's a little cool, uh, but the sun is finally coming out. Thank you so much. It's finally coming out. And I just want to say, take a minute, say thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate you. Well, I'm excited to have you. And I have your bio here, so I'm going to just um, mention a couple of things about you. Uh, you are the founder and CEO of SharonKingWorldwide.com, which is headquartered in L.A., um, you authored a memoir entitled, This is My Introduction from Me to You, Remember Me? And then you worked in public relations. So talk to me about your journey. Who are you? How did you become who you are today? You know, over 15 years ago, when I was homeless, I was in the Carlton House uh, shelter. Mm -hmm. And the women there inspired me. I met all women from all walks of life, um, battered, protective service 
you name it, that what was going on. And so they would come to my room and say, you want to pray? You want to pray with us? So I was a prayer lady. And they said, you know, when you leave from here, you have to write a book. You have to write a book about your journey. Don't forget about us. We have to stay in contact. Of course, you know, we lost contact throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And I started my journey um, inspiring others. You know, it took me a long time because when you go through so much in life, you always questioning yourself. Should I speak about this? Should I talk about this? People are going to judge me. Mm -hmm. So I had to go to therapy and counseling for everything that I do um, to get over my self-doubt, my self-esteem, and everything else I had going on with me by going through so much in life at a young age. And so I started, uh, I wrote my book, I published my book, and then I started Sharing King Worldwide. And the reason why I named my website Sharing King Worldwide is for me to reach women all over the world of every area in life. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about all the kinds of things, if you don't mind, that you went through that brought you to who you are today. Like what was, what led to being homeless? Do you mind my asking that? You know, I was renting a house that was in foreclosure. And I was paying him every month. He didn't tell me his property was in foreclosure. And so what happened is I needed to get an apartment as soon as possible. I didn't have enough time to get an apartment. So my next step was to go to the homeless shelter. Wow. And that's where I ended up at. I didn't have enough time. And, you know, being there, um, it made me rethink life differently, who my friends are, who my surrounding, my surroundings and everything is, because when you're at your lowest, only a few people are going to be with you. Yeah. When you're at your highest, the world is there with you. Nobody wants to be there when you have nothing. Nobody wants to be there when you're asking for help. It's only a few. Like the Bible said, only a few are chosen. True. So you found yourself uh, in the homeless shelter, meeting all these different women. What kinds of challenges were they faced with that you found so, so inspiring? You mentioned women who were being abused and things like that. Were you know, they trying to transition out of the homeless shelter? What were they trying to do? You know what? They're trying to find themselves. Um, loving somebody more than you love yourself. For, instant this one young lady I was speaking to she was so in love with her husband and he was so abusive to her so abusive to her and the the problem with that is if she had taken the time to love herself or she had gotten love from home or whatever um, her mother her father her sister whoever raised her had taught herself love I really believe that although she was in a shelter fighting for her life, she wouldn't feel the way she do still loving him and still want to be with him and think this is going to be blown over. Wow. So it, it, it's things like that, you know, women that have never prayed, they don't think that they believe to be loved. They don't think that they deserve anything good. You know, there are women that have never been on a date, have never been to a real restaurant, um, for three meals, three course meal. And it, it just amazed me and blew my mind that you were waiting for somebody to come and rescue you to do all these things with you when you could have just did it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So these were the things I would talk about. I said, you don't need anyone to buy you flowers. It's nice. But don't surround your life on waiting for a man or a woman to buy you something. Do it for yourself first. Because everything starts with you. How you treat yourself is how other people are going to treat you. Exactly. You know, I was just having that conversation with my daughter the other day. It's true. I have myself. I, I have that conversation so much with my children. Mm -hmm. You have to come first because you matter. And you have to make sure that you take time for you. Because if you're not well, nothing else around you is well. Because right. everything start with you. Your walls will come apart, tumble. You can't go to somebody to love you. You can't go to somebody to fix you. Everything start with self. 
Yeah. And so many times. How did you learn that? How do you feel like you internalize that? I learned that the hard way because when I hit rock bottom, there was nobody really there. Only a couple of friends that we're still friends to today were there. Mm -hmm. So I hit rock bottom and I realized that I only needed God. And when I, that was my fulfillment. And I started reading the Bible more and I started loving myself more. When I started letting go of all the things and the people that I thought that mattered, I felt at peace, peace. You can't, you can't, how, my, my favorite expression is you can't buy a peace of mind. Right. You can't. You, I was just so much at peace. So when I saw those people, when I got back on my feet, they were like, oh my goodness, we was looking for you. Do you still need help? <laughs> I don't need help. I am perfectly fine. I wish you the best. And I just cut everybody off. But I cut them off, not in a mean way. Because right. it's funny, you never know in this life who you're going to need. Right. But I cut them off in a loving way saying, you know what, this is not working out for us as friends. I think we should cut our ways. I wish you the best of luck. I, I do that with all circumstances. I wish you the best mm -hmm. of luck. I never end anything in any bad way because God forbid God decides to take somebody home. I, I don't have no conscience. Mm -hmm. I end with love. You know what, this is not working out. I wish you the best of luck. And I separate myself. Mm -hmm. That ability to cut the things and the people that no longer serve you is really important. It's establishing a boundary, right? Yes. Like my mom used to say, I could, how she used to put it, I'd rather be alone than be in bad company. Yes, yes. It's good to be alone than to be in bad company. Yes, that is so how, how did you determine that those people or those situations were not good for you? When... I'm at my lowest and you can't even call me to say, let's pray. Mm. You can't even call me and say, you know what? I have nothing to offer you, but I'm calling to check on you. Mm -hmm. When you call me, you can't even call me to say, you know what? I know you're going through a hard time, but hard time don't last forever. You know, it's not always about material things. It's about love. It's about checking on somebody. Are you okay today? You know, one of my thing was, I've always asked, did you eat today? That was one of my favorite thing. I always ask people, did you eat today? How are you doing today? Those are my, those are my utmost things. You know, that's an interesting question because a lot of people don't think about whether or not someone has eaten. We assume, mm -hmm. most of us assume, I think, that people have eaten. But there are a lot of people in this country who do not eat every day. No, they don't. They do not eat at all. And you will be surprised who do not have food. Mm -hmm. You will be so surprised who do not have food, who do not have a lot of things. Right. And so especially food. now with yeah. COVID. It's even worse. And, you know, I, like I was telling my sister the other day, I said, you know, a lot of people are still holding on to malice mm -hmm. and bad things from from happened many years ago with family members and stuff, you have to let those things go. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is not promised. Look at the world. Look what's going on. People are dropping like flies. Yeah. Forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. You know, and I could only speak like that because I've learned how to forgive people and I've learned to accept the fact I'm not always right. There are times that I'm wrong and I acknowledge that. And I come to terms with that. Hey, I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I hurt you. And I keep going. Right. It doesn't mean we have to establish a relationship again, but I acknowledge my part in the situation. Well, and that's important too, because one of the things that I tell people all the time, you know, my kids in particular, it's okay to love people from a distance. Right. Just because someone is a family member, let's say, mm -hmm. if things aren't working out, you don't get along, you have issues, you don't have to hold that anger toward them, but you can release that with love and say, I can love you from a distance. We don't have to interact like that, but we can have a peaceful existence in the universe, right? <laughs> or in the world. You know, and I have learned that. 
I have learned that and I have been back and forth with certain family members like, okay, let's see if we could do this a different way. And it still didn't work. So you know what? I removed myself. Mm-hmm. There's no hate. There's no nothing. I just removed myself. I think I have accomplished how to just remove myself from situation and love people from a distance. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay to do that because your, your mental health and your well-being and your peace of mind is so important. It's so important. Yeah. And how do you think that, I mean, I wouldn't classify myself as a mental health expert, or you might not classify yourself as a mental health expert, but I think that we can observe that there's a lot going on with people in terms of stress, anxiety, not being as together as we probably would have been, you know, a while ago. How much do you think that factors into some of this turmoil that we see in our society and even what you saw in the homeless shelter? Like people not being together emotionally. You know, a lot of that has to do from generation. And I've always said that. And the reason why I say that is because there are so much trigger in families that nobody want to talk about it because it's going to embarrass the family. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Something happened from grandma and grandpa to daughter. Daughter have children and nobody addressed it. So here it is. The family is not cursed. You just have generational trauma because we never address the situation from grandpa and grandma. So here it is. We have mental health issues. If grandma and grandma had talked about it, we could have had solution by now. Mm-hmm. But back then, from what I've heard, because I'm also doing a documentary in mental health, the African-American people were afraid to speak about mental health because they were afraid of their children being taken away and them being labeled as they weren't capable of taking care of their children because they're not, um, they're not able to take care of themselves. So mm-hmm. they were ashamed to talk about it and they didn't want to bring it to the for- forefront because they didn't want their family to be separated. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things, a lot of trauma, a lot of generational trauma is going on to the point it's, it's beyond out of control to where us as African-American men and women need so much help doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not okay for somebody to hit you that love you. It's not okay for somebody to belittle you that love you. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. You deserve the best that this world have to offer because you are worth that. But a lot of people don't know that because you don't know your worth because nobody taught you from home. Right. Well, I would venture a guess. I would venture a guess too, that because the legal system and the medical system didn't work in our favor, they ignored us or they stigmatized us or they arrested us. You know what I mean? As opposed to trying to help. I, I, could that also have factored into some of these issues that we have now? Yes. People not dealing with some of these things. Yes, exactly. But we also have to remember too, beside the legal system is our children are being raised to where we have to look a certain way to be in society. So by looking a certain way, under any means necessary, we're gonna do to what it takes to get that money to look that certain way, even if we have to steal it. Now, when we do all of this, we don't realize that there's a consequences to pay that is not in your benefit. So when you go to jail or you do something that ends you up in jail, more than likely when you go to judge, you will go to jail. Mm -hmm. So who sits at the table and talk about this to our children? Who sit at the table and talk to our kids about stocks and bonds and life insurance and credit? Mm -hmm. Who sits and talk about this to our kids? No, what we do is we get the latest not me personally, but I'm just saying in general, we get the latest um, new, um, whatever they have coming out, the shoes, the clothing, because we want to impress. But all that money could go on education. Mm -hmm. All that money could go, hey, listen, let's put some extra gas in the car so we could go to a parent-teacher night. Nobody talked about that. I'm talking... I'm discussing back then, not now. I know we're going through a pandemic right now, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying Mm -hmm. all of that 
is a lot that's going on mm -hmm. with the system because there are a lot of children that did not go to jail. There's a lot of children that did not go in the system because their parent taught them from home. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I know I was talking with a girlfriend of mine about this a while ago that um, I had to start learning about money on my own because mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think my parents knew a whole ton about money and what they did know they didn't really teach in a formal way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. I think that there's there's a lot of history in there, you know, because of the systematic desire to keep black Americans from having uh, money, from having right. property and all right. of those things. And that, and also in American society, we have this tendency to not want to talk about money. Nobody wants to talk about how much money they earn. Nobody wants to talk about how they invest it. This is a new trend in the last, you know, in the last decade or so that you're really seeing people online talking about money and things like that. When I was growing up, nobody talked about money or how much they earned or how they saved their money or how they invested their money. So I think maybe this generation is getting more of that, you know, hopefully. What are you saying? What are your thoughts? And you know what? I'm so glad that this generation is talking more about money because most of us have a bad spending habit. We don't save money. All we do is live from paycheck to paycheck. We don't invest. We don't have life insurance. You know, a lot of times there are people doing car wash. There are people out there um, holding up signs. Can you donate for a funeral? What are we doing? We spend two, $300 on shoes. And you cannot spend $50, $60 a month on basic life insurance to cover what's needed. It's horrible. It's just horrible. You know, mm -hmm. and so it, it, I'm so glad that this generation is so weird and so woke to realize what's going on. You could have money, but if you don't have good credit, it's useless because you still need credit to purchase. You still need credit for a lot of things, you know, and I am so much into my credit now more than ever. I watch what I spend on my credit card, my bank account, make sure I pay my bills three, four days ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I'm so focused because it's so important when that credit report every month that it's reporting on time. Right. Even if so, you can pay the full amount, pay something so it doesn't show up late on your credit report. So that's, then that's my question. So what, why is it so important to have good credit savings and things of this nature. Why, what is important about that? You know, I'm so glad that you asked that question because I have um, a segment with that coming up in a, in a month or so. You must have good credit. You can't buy real estate without good credit. You won't get a credit card without credit. You won't have a lot of things without credit. Credit is key. Credit is number one. The first thing you do when you go to the bank, they do your credit report. Even to open a, ch a business account or checking account. Some banks will run your credit to see what your credit report is like. They will do that because that have happened to me. So these are the things that happen and everything else. I think you're muted. I'm sorry. I touched my screen again. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. You were saying that, that those are things that happen and because and, that's happened to you. Yes, yeah, so I went to the bank to open a business bank account and they ran my credit report. They called it a soft uh, run, but it was a hard run on my credit report. You know, and every time your credit report is run, it lower your FICA score. So you really don't want to lower anything on your FICA score. Every time you apply online for a loan, every time your credit report get run, Every time you try to see if you get a car, your every time that is run, that's increased. So that lower your credit report mm -hmm. a lot because those are it's just a hard run on your credit report and lower your FICA score. So what kinds of things do you share at Sharon King Worldwide? 
Oh my God. I have a book club. I have authors on there that come on there. I interview different people from all over the world. Uh, the last person I interviewed from out the country was in Ghana. She's beautiful. She's a fashion designer. Oh um, I interview entrepreneurs that are just starting their business. Mm -hmm. I interview authors that are just starting. A lot of people write books. Yep. Okay, but we just write books. So now what are we going to do? Do you have a target audience? What are you doing with what you write? How are you going to make the money back? What is your plan? So I mentor them. I get them on different shows. I have them on my um, book club. And I net the people that I network in, I have them on their shows and they network with them. That's beautiful. Thank you. You have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. And so when I'm working with authors, you know, doing the editing of their book, one of the things that I find is that often they don't realize they're starting a business. Is that what you find as well? I do find that they're not starting. They don't realize that it is a business and you are investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, uh, the mistake that I have done, they have done. We went out and we pay other people to market and brand us instead right. of taking the time, instead of taking the time to market and brand ourselves. Why is that important to really get into that branding and marketing yourself? Because you learn, you learn your mistakes. You learn, you learn your mistakes. You're investing in yourself. You're saving money. You're going to pay somebody to do a job that you don't know if they're doing it right or wrong. If you do it first, you know what's being done correctly and what's being done wrong. So therefore, take the time, do the legwork. I've always said, do the legwork to do what you need to get done. Mm -hmm. Do your legwork, do your legwork, you know, do your legwork. So part of that branding, mm -hmm. you mentioned before, who's your target audience? A yeah. lot of folks who write books don't even think about their target audience. What do you mean though, when you say that term, target audience? Target audience, okay, when you wrote the book, is it for children? Is it for adults? Is it fiction? Who are you targeting? Where, who are you trying to, you know, motivate this book with? Who are you trying to inspire this book with? What are you doing with it? What are you doing? What are your plans? Where's your spreadsheet of how many people you targeted today? What region did you target them from? Who, where's your book selling the most? New York, California, New Jersey. What are we doing? You and know, how does that factor into the whole marketing plan? It factors into it because you're not going to spend 50% of your time in New York trying to market your book and you have no audience. If Seattle, you have 75% audience, that's where you're going to spend your time because that's where your, your team is and that's how you build. So you don't want to run on zero. So every month when you, you, you should have a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. This is how much I'm making. This is how much I'm putting out. You never want to be on the negative at all, at all. And see that that's something a lot of people don't think about when I talk to authors, authors, what is your spreadsheet for this month? How much did you make and how much did you spend? Mm -hmm. Oh, we don't have a spreadsheet. You have a book and you spend money for editing, publishing, and everything else. How are you going to get the money back? Right. How much is the book being sold for? How many books did you sell this month? How many books do you want to sell? You have to go out there and you got to sell books. Yeah. Yes. What do you say to authors who say, I just got to get this book out there? Okay, you got to get the book out there where? Where you got to get the book out there too? Because once the book is published, it's everywhere to purchase. Are you selling the book directly or do they have to go to a second party to get the book? The middleman. So who really is getting the book out there? Do you have copies of the book? They could buy the book from you directly that you could autograph it and mail it to them? or do they have to go to Amazon or do they have to go to somewhere else to buy the book? So when you're trying to hurry up and get the book out there, exactly where you're getting the book to, exactly where. 
So one of the things that you do then is you help authors to work through that plan? Yes, I help them to work through the plan, mm -hmm. marketing, branding, getting exposed, getting attention for your book, getting attention for who you are. A lot of people, including you know, some authors, we spend so much time on Facebook. What do you do on Facebook? You share everybody's business, you share everybody's memes, you share everybody everything. You know what you're doing? You're promoting everybody's business but your own. Yeah. You're not promoting yourself. You're promoting everybody's business but your own. That's basically what you're doing. Now what? So, if you had three things that you wanted a new author to focus on, what would those three things be? Budget, marketing, and branding. How much are you spending out? How much are you bringing in? Mm -hmm. Monthly expense sheet. What is your target for sales this month? Every month you should have a target for sales. Every month. Mm -hmm. Because you're in business. This is a business. So every month you're in sale. Every month you're in business. This is a business. Yes. So those are the things we need to focus on. Awesome. Limit sharing so much of everybody's business, so much of everybody's jokes, so much of everybody, everything. Now you're building a business. So whatever you do is a reflection of you. Right. Motivational posts, motivational posts, success posts. Cause now you're building your audience. You're building your team of audience. Get away from all the craziness that you used to post and share and everything else. You have a business. It's a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. And that's part of your marketing and your branding. That's part of my marketing and my branding. And I have a whole other more stuff. That's <laughs> that awesome. Do, that I do with authors. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. So we are about at time. Sharon, where can people connect with you? Can, where can they find you on social media, your website? Go ahead and give them all of that. Sharon King Worldwide is my website. When you go to Sharon King Worldwide, you could connect with me on all my social media because all my social media link is on Sharon King Worldwide. And I also have a podcast that you could listen to from my website. So everything is connected off my website at Sharon King Worldwide. All right. So you guys know now that you can connect with Sharon May King at SharonKingWorldwide.com. Sharon, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. You're very welcome, and thank you so much for having me. Next, our good friend Julia Black will be joining me for True Talk. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, ranging from landing pages to e-commerce, Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, upload your photos and videos, type your text, and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you sign up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code first year. That's one S-T-Y-E-A-R. The number one S-T-Y-E-A-R in all caps. Take advantage of the 14-day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website. You'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website today. So I'd like to welcome Julia Black to True Talk. Hey, Julia. Hey, Michelle. 
man, it has been um, a couple months, huh? It has been a while. It's been a while since we've done this. With the shelter in place and mm -hmm. everybody's been very focused on that, us included. And I think sometimes when we have so much really stressful, traumatic stuff going on, and this is truly, this has truly been traumatic on a lot of levels. When we have these things going on, it's really hard to kind of grab hold of the things that keep us grounded and keep us centered and keep us hopeful. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's been, it's been rough, right? Like I love my husband and all, and I love my dog, but I haven't hugged anybody else in eight weeks and I'm not a hugger. Uh, I'm going to be the first person to tell you I'm generally not a hugger. Um, but there, you know, so there are little things, um, where it's just like, oh, this is, this is, this has been, this has been rough to stay grounded and to, to focus on what's good and what creates joy. Yeah. Well, and you know, I tend to have a little, what I'm going to, I, I tend to like, engaging in in the comedy aspect of this right right first of all i delve into the the meat of these issues because i'm really interested in what's going on i uh, you know anybody who knows me knows i'm gonna sit down and dig for information where i can find it and i'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist so i'll be trying to figure out what's really going on behind the scenes with stuff but i also like the comedic aspects of it so for me one of my outlets has been to watch the late night comedians doing their thing on YouTube as opposed to in their studios. Yeah, right. I don't watch all of them, but you know, I like Kimmel and I like uh, Colbert and uh, what's the other one? Like Trevor I Noah? I love Trevor Noah, but the, I'm thinking of the other guy who's out here in LA Fallon. And so, oh, uh -huh. yeah, so those are the four I typically watch. And what, even just watching them stress out Kimmel and Fallon in particular were losing their cookies when they first started. You could see it <laughs> when they were first starting to do the shows from their homes. You could see them struggling with the technologies and getting really frustrated with the kids being there. <laughs> and then at some point, something shifted and they just kind of embraced. You could really see when it happened, when they kind of shifted and just kind of embraced this and said, hey man, this, it is what it is. Let's just deal with this. Mm -hmm. And everything started going so much more smoothly with their shows, you know, when they started doing that. And I think that's kind of how it is for all of us. To some extent, the more we push against this, you know, the more we kind of fight the, the energy of this thing, the more of a struggle we make it for ourselves and, and just the more challenging it is. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is with change in general though, right? Is that whenever things change, people, you know, people that I know that really, really hate change, you know, they fight it. And it's, and, and it's like, you know, if, if you just, if you just kind of go, yeah, this sucks, but it's change and it's, and, that'll be okay and it's going to suck for a while and then and then it, there will be a new normal if you just kind of stop fighting it all of a sudden everything is just like okay it, it makes it makes whatever your whatever the change is easier right i think i think so too but it's so much easier said than done I think that's the, true that's very yeah. true that's the challenge is kind of like you know like for me i was watching them struggle so i've been working with kids on my lap since you know, for 20 plus years. Okay, now I don't work with 20 year olds on my lap, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was working with my kids on my lap 20 plus years ago, right? So for me, watching them struggle, it was really cute to me. I was like, y'all just, just forget it. Just let the kids do what they're going to do. Let them participate and everything will be okay. I was kind of willing this energy to them. I don't know if they got it from me or hundreds or thousands or millions of other people but they did eventually relax into it. And I think that that's because I had already done that, you know, 20 some years ago. And I see, I mean, and you've seen me struggle a little bit, you know, we've talked about this. I struggle with, you know, I, I, I'm used to being indoors because I've worked in offices and I've worked from home and different things like that. So that's not really the issue. 
but like just all of a sudden I can't go to yoga or I mm -hmm. can't do these things. That's been a big struggle for me. Yeah. Because, you know, one that's of my daughters. A, yeah. That's been a struggle me, for me too. Right. And it's, it's not even the, it's not, and I want to be real clear what it is for me though. It's not the fact that I'm not going. It's the idea that somebody shut my yoga studio down and I don't have the option of going. Mm. Mine is a much more psychological aspect. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's not, it's, you know, maybe it's a petulant child in me, but to some extent it's like, well, that should still be an option to me. I know practically why it's not. So I don't want anybody calling up here, harassing me about that. <laughs> I know, whatever, whatever. I'm talking about how you feel about it. I'm not talking about the practicality of it. So, and like one of my daughters, she calls me almost every day. And it's often when she is like, maybe she wants to go somewhere. And she realizes if she's going to go, she can't call up a friend and say, hey, do you want to go? Right? Like she might want to go take a walk or go pick up food. And these are things that would be social things for her. And she can't and do She those. can't do those. Yeah. And she's not here with us. So she can't do it with us either. Right. So those kinds of things. I know everybody's got their own way of dealing with it. But it's just, I think the real thing is that it's hard sometimes for us to focus on the joy that we still have. Yeah. And what it made me think of was this author I've been working with. And his story is really powerful and interesting. And there's one part of his book, and I hope you won't mind me quoting him. Should probably his, give his name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and his, book, yeah. his name in his book at the very least. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping he won't mind me doing this on the air, but so the author's name is Samuel Woods, and he wrote a book called Imprisonment. And the book is basically about, it's, it's kind of memoir slash political treatise. I don't know what else you would call it. <laughs> kind of a, talking about some of the issues, particularly in the Black community, that can lead to incarceration and uh, perpetuate poverty and things of that nature. And but he talks about his personal journey kind of interwoven with all of this. And one of the things he talks about was meeting his wife and the challenges that they experienced. So these are um, Sam Wood's words. He said, we had so many challenges dealing, getting dealing with getting married inside of prison. Friends and family couldn't believe she was about to marry someone who was not only serving a life sentence, but for murder. It was hard for her to try to prove to her family that I am not only innocent, but that I am with her for all the right reasons. They thought I was trying to use her and just could not believe that we could be genuinely in love. I know it sounds crazy, but you can't limit love and you can't dictate when you find your soulmate. People are placed in your life for different reasons and you just don't know why until it happens to you. Love is love. Love is powerful, and anyone who believes in love knows that. You can't fight real love when you find it. It will overpower all things. And every time I read those words, I just want you to know I'd like kind of tear up. <laughs> they're, and yeah, they're, they're beautiful. Like it's just, it's just dense. It's just dense with meaning. And it's just a reminder, I think, that no matter what else there is going on, no matter how bleak things seem, no matter how scared we all are, there is always something that we can be happy about. There's always some joy. There's always some love. There's always some laughter that we can latch on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's what it means for me. I don't know. What does it mean for you? I, I, it, it means that for me too. It also means, I mean, I think, you know, there's this, what I like about it is that it's like, take the moments as you get them, right? Is that yeah. I think because we're being pulled in many different, even though we're all in the house, 
<laughs> we're not yeah. going anywhere. We're still being pulled in a lot of different directions. And sometimes it can be hard to stop for a minute and be mindful and to actually like experience the joy as it's happening. Right? Yep. Is pay attention to it and experience it and go, hey, this was a good moment. This was a fun moment and allow that to happen because it's so easy to just kind of, okay, you know, say, okay, I finished that. Now I move to the next thing. Okay. Now I finished that and move to the next thing without just appreciating even just the tiny, the, the things that are tiny moments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what, I mean, obviously his story with his wife, Ashley is deep and profound and you've got to, um, go get the book because it's uh, worth reading. But I think there's a lesson in it for all of us, you know, that yes, we are indeed living in interesting times as the Chinese proverb goes. <laughs> we, are, yes. we, are, we, are, we are challenged, but I think we're rising to the challenge, most of us. And um, sometimes we're not going to rise to the challenge very well. You know, we're going to get frustrated and, you know, lose our cookies. But we're adapting. And we don't want to adapt to just any old thing because we've got to be careful what we allow ourselves to adapt to. But what we mostly want to do is just remember that, you know, we're stronger together. We're better together. We have so many things to be appreciative of and grateful for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as the sun comes up, we're all good. You know, we may feel sadness, we may feel lost, because I know a lot of people, you know, are losing loved ones and, and things like that. But Oh, yeah, I mean, there's that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that there's a lot going on. Even if we take these tiny moments and appreciate what we have, that doesn't change the fact that there's all of this other stuff going on that is distressing. But they can both be happening at the same time. Yes, two things can be true. It is true, it can be true that life is challenging and stressful, but it can also be true that life is joyous mm -hmm. and hopeful. And hopeful and magical and mm -hmm. beautiful. And that it's just a matter of stopping to point out um, what those are in your day or your week or your month. So we don't really have three points for you guys. No. Today, guys. We don't have three <laughs> things that we can tell you to do. You know, I'm not going to tell you to sit down and meditate or, you know, go take a walk or whatever, but I will tell you what I did this morning that delighted me. One of the things I had not really realized w was missing in my life, but it seemed to be, was since moving west, I had not heard birds outside my window. I just hadn't heard them. And this morning I woke up and I sat up in bed and I heard birds just chirping away outside my window. And I, I was blown away and it delighted me literally all day. It has delighted me throughout the day. And it seems like such a small thing, but sometimes it's the small things that matter most. Yeah. Well, Julia, thanks for being on True Talk. And thank you. we'll do it again very, very soon. All right. Thank you. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. It is the holiday season, so we'll be out in January taking a little rest after this wild, wild year. I will share some wonderful replays, though, so make sure you tune in for our next show on January 8th, 2021. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at thesomewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. And don't forget to tune in to Julia Black and Me live on Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 p.m. Eastern for the Shelter in Place hashtag 
Pandemic 2020 live stream at http colon slash slash rebrand.ly slash shelter in place live stream. That's http colon slash slash rebrand.ly slash shelter in place live stream. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.